We want to be free. We want to be free to, to do what we want to do. We're going to have a good time. We're going to have a party. Fastlane Peace Camp against nuclear weapons in Trident. So we're just going to start off by talking about why we're here. So I, I guess we're here because we're all against nuclear weapons, eh? Um, yeah. it, it's, it, it's been a massive thing for Scotland for, for many, many years. Like the, the entire population of Scotland appears to be against having nuclear weapons in our backyard on, on the Clyde, um, polluting our Clyde, um, not to mention that they're a danger. Um, and yet they're here. It's something that we've never been given, um, been allowed to have a, make a decision on. They're kind of here against our will. Uh, yeah, and then we've, we've heard today about the convoys as well that go up and down the country. Um, has anyone ever seen a convoy? No, no, no. 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 It all kind of happens at night, eh? Yeah. No, well, some of them go out during the day. Like, I know there was the famous example and we were speaking to some of the... The, the people here who live in the camp about um, the the pensioner in Stirling, I think it was Stirling CND, yeah. uh, uh, basically stopped the the convoy with the nuclear warheads and and, and put himself underneath yeah. the, uh, the the truck that was carrying them. So I mean, seeing things like that, um, it's definitely it's it's inspiring to see them actually taking direct action and it's peaceful direct action as well. Yeah. And I think that actually sends a clear message and it's such a, a contrast between what these nuclear weapons actually are. And the fact that the people who are taking direct action against them are doing it, you know, through peaceful means. I think what's amazing is in the UK there's such a history and a legacy of direct action um, for peace. And so, if you look at the First World War, you know, poppies and uh, white poppies and the rest of it, and and um, and then even later on, you know, very recently we had somebody break into a, a UK military base and try to smash apart an aircraft, you know, with a sledgehammer. Um, and so, you, we've got a long history of sort of direct action in the UK and this sort of stuff, and it's not covered. It, in, in the newspapers and it's not covered in the media and uh, I think it's something that we should be really proud of that we try to stop these the, these wars and so on and um, I think it's it's really good to be here today and sort of and get in touch with what's really happening. I guess that's why the camp is so important is uh, it's a permanent piece of evidence that we are opposed to nuclear weapons we're not just opposed to nuclear weapons but we're opposed to any kind of nuclear war I mean the prospect of nuclear war is literally the end of the world I don't think there's anything after it. Um, so having this here is an action in itself. Just to say, we we think uh, we think nuclear weapons on the Clyde is, is abhorrent. Um, just thinking about these uh, trucks going through our communities, like I've I've got a leaflet here that says, you know, each truck could contain up to eight kilograms of plutonium, like radioactive substances travelling through our communities. No matter what time of the day, it can't be safe. Yeah. And if you're talking about a pensioner who's able to get underneath it to actually stop it. I'd hate to think if anyone else tried to do it. That's what I was about to say. Like, is this when there's such a heightened terror threat and things in Britain right now? Like, is this a safe thing to do to be carrying nuclear weapons along just along the road like that? Like, mm -hmm. so casually, it's not. 
if, like you say, if a pensioner can get underneath that, anybody could. Absolutely. And worse. And actually, if you look at the, if you look at the, um, I know uh, certain people have done FOI requests to try and get access to the safety plans. You know what happens if a truck goes off the road and there's nuclear con con um, contamination, and the MOD says, "What's well, the job of the council?" And the council says, oh, it's the job of the people who are on the motorway. And the people, on, the people who are on the motorway say, oh, it's the job of the Scottish government. The Scottish government says, oh, it's the job of the MOD. And so you go round and round again, there's no proper contingency planning, you know, and if something did go wrong, then, um, then it'd be a disaster. And nobody has planned for this properly. There's nothing in place. And so, I, yeah, it's really, it's, I'm really glad that we're here today to just raise some of these issues and, and talk about it. Yeah, one of the things I remember not long ago, I can't remember the, the guy's name. I think he was one of the submariners, was he not? He was a whistleblower. And yeah. yeah, he he raised. He said basically, did he not say something about how there was fires on board the, the submarines, the nuclear submarines? And I don't actually know what's happened to him. I know that he was arrested, and he was he was taken to court, I think. But I don't actually know what's happened to him. But I think just like that, it shows that despite the amount of money they spend on them, I think it's something like two hundred odd billion pounds. It's going to cost them their entire their entire lifespan. That. The, the systems that still aren't fit for purpose and they're actually not keeping people safe. The question is though, why are we allowing this? You know, why why is why is there not an absolute outrage? You know, if we're, we we live in a society that has become increasingly more risk averse and uh, acutely aware of, of all the threats that, that that we face, not not only just terrorism but all the the safety precautions that we take, and yet this very basic concept of driving nuclear weapons through the heart of our communities, right across the Linkedin Bread, not only of Scotland but across the UK. Yeah you know doesn't seem to inspire the same type of um you know attitude uh, as other things that we are you know cautiously risk of ourselves you know it's, it's terrifying you know our communities are being faced with the reality of having nuclear warheads at the heart of them even even momentarily briefly yeah i think there absolutely should be more outrage and i think there's a problem in the fact that we don't know a lot of these co when these convoys are, are traveling through um we don't know um we, yeah, people don't know the risks that are there. So it's not only a risk about the um, the fact that you have active nuclear weapons being transported, but they're also carrying, carrying radioactive substances. You know, if there was a leak, if there was a breakdown and then a leak, you just got to think, is there a contingency plan? What happens? What, what, what are the protocols for that happening? I mean, God forbid it happen, but... Um, yeah, it's a very real threat. So, so right now there's a, a a huge thing happening. There's a there's a treaty ban negotiation going through the UN. Who's who's heard about it? Yeah, I have. Yeah, I I don't think it's been covered in the media enough. Uh, I don't I don't think it's getting enough coverage. I mean, I know there's been a lot of stuff going on politically at the moment, but um, we're having a worldwide discussion about whether or not we think nuclear weapons should be legal. Like, so I know we we don't think that there should be nuclear weapons. Um, in our country, do we think that nuclear weapons should be legal? Well, the current the current status of the legality of nuclear weapons is it's illegal to use them because they uh, indiscriminately target. You know, people say, "Oh, we only target the U.S." The, you know, the United States says, "Oh, we only target military bases," but in actuality, they're a weapon of mass destruction. They mass kill indiscriminately. But currently, it's it's illegal to have them, just illegal to use them. The aim of this treaty ban is, with like chemical weapons, with like biological weapons, uh, and other weapons in the past, it's to make even owning them illegal against international law. And you know what? It's worked. If you look at chemical weapons, uh, stocks of chemical weapons since the 1990s, when the chemical weapon ban was first put in, are down 88%. 88%, which is just incredible. And there's nothing to say that this treaty ban couldn't uh, not work with getting rid of nuclear weapons as well, at least ramping up the pressure. And I'm, I'm actually really disappointed that the UK government hasn't even they can oppose it but at least they could have sent a representative to listen 
and they haven't even done that and I think that's something disappointing and, and I think maybe perhaps the Scottish government or it's perhaps something we could be asking the Scottish government to do is to send a representative on behalf yeah. of Scotland given that yeah. these nuclear weapons are here. That's a really interesting point you brought up there as well because you know I think we rightly condemn other, other foreign governments when they use chemical weapons or even possess them yet we've got the hypocrisy to you know to actually own something which breaks the same law and yeah, I think that particular is like never. I've never uh, saw that pointed out. I mean, I've never even considered that uh, nuclear weapons are even part of the same family of weapons, and to think that we actually harbour them and then have the audacity to shoot down foreign go- governments for you know owning the same kind of family of weapons. Yeah, and it's, it's disgusting. The, it's the fact that we're, we're you know there's this worldwide uh, conversation and discourse going on with the treaty ban, and it's frankly the arrogant uh, politicians in senior state uh, who are in senior positions within nuclear states who are the ones who are you know utterly opposed to, to the action um, proposed by the treaty ban, and you know. We saw the success of what can happen when worldwide um, states can pull together. We've seen the change that can be delivered through COP21 mm-hmm. and the climate change discussions that happened in Paris. You know, and when people put their mind to it, when foreign governments, governments across the world, put their mind to it and are committed to making a change happen across the world, we can see real progress being made. And it's time for those politicians in those states, in uh, you know nuclear states, to get together and to take part in this conversation, be serious about making our world a more peaceful place. And I think exactly. That that is happening outside of the UK. Like states are coming, you've got to remember nuclear weapon states, we're in the vast minority. Um, we're also not very popular at the moment. And this conversation of uniting together for change is happening um, outside of the UK. And we're not really aware of that. I think there's a certain amount of propaganda within the UK of we're not allowed <coughs> to see that conversation happening because it doesn't go along with our national narrative. They, you know, the, the UK government don't want us to see the fact that when it comes to this conversation about nuclear weapons, it is incredibly and unpopular in the international community that we still have them, that we still appropriate them. Um, and we're, we're all signed up to the Non-Proliferation Treaty, the NPT, which means actually we've all agreed, all the nuclear weapon states have already agreed that they're abhorrent, they've already agreed we should reduce the stockpiles. It's now time that we make them illegal. Mm. It's now time that we actually act on the NPT and, 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 and stop adding to them. And so... Even renewing them right now is is um, is not a good idea. I think what you just said there about the, the the British national narrative. I think especially when you couple that with the fact uh, with the rise of a uh, uh, right wing British nationalism and this sort of um, looking back to the days of empire mm-hmm. that a lot of people in Britain, especially um, you know in the south of England. Um, still view the UK as being some sort of global imperial power and it's somehow our right to have these nuclear weapons and, and, and you know and teaming up with the likes of America to police the world and, and police well we get to have these weapons but you know all these other countries they're rogue states you're a rogue state if you're not if you've got nuclear weapons but you're not a western uh, country so I think in that sort of narrative that's been created that um, it's sort of playing into this idea of what the UK was and in actual fact these nuclear weapons aren't anything close to the sort of weapons that we had in the past and I think it was Patrick Harvey summed it up best he says these are weapons of uh, mass indiscriminate civilian slaughter which is yeah, what they I are. Yeah I think that's a good point like they they're completely an indiscriminate killer um, and they're, they're they're not a weapon it, it, they're not a weapon that could ever be used legitimately ever ever and in, 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 in any conflict so that, that's one part of it, but then you've also got the massive cost. And that's something that brings it home to the UK at the moment, is just that the amount of money that we as a government, or um, the 
UK government are going to spend on renewing them at a time when austerity is is crippling lives of people throughout the country. I mean, what what's the figure currently? Fifty billion. Fifty billion. We're going to spend fifty billion renewing Trident while. Um, we can't house people, we can't feed people, people can't get proper social security, disabled people are seeing cuts to their disability allowance, like, I don't know, what do we think about that? I think it's quite interesting, like, the fact that like, we feel we need to even spend it on Trident, because, like, imagine, you know, you're definitely going to spend this money on some form of security spending, then you'd be far, you know, it'd be a far more effective money spent if you spent, say, 50 billion on some cyber protection. Digital agency security, or something, or digital yeah. security, something that actually is relevant to the 21st century. Conventional defence. Yeah. Or, you know, or just conventional defence. Like, it's just, it's such an inefficient way of spending money if you really have to spend it on security spending. Yeah. Yeah. Particularly while we have a change in nature of the threat that our country faces as well. We've seen the growth in cyber uh, security attacks over the, the, the course of the last two years. And yet we still think, and I think this comes back to the points we were making earlier, about the fact that it's literally a statement. It's a statement about we are a world superpower and these things that we have and on our shores are you know, a symbol to the world of the role that we still play, as, as Rory touched on earlier, you know, ha you know, having that imperial history. Rhiannon, you brought up a really interesting point earlier when you said that like, you, you know, it's the nuclear states that are actually the rogue states. Um, and, you know, like, on, on the left, uh, there's all, there sometimes can be a kind of cop out of saying, you know, I'm in favour of multilateral disarmament. But, you know, that sentence implies that there is somehow a majority of countries that actually have nuclear weapons, when really there's only a yeah. few. So really, that's why unilateral disarmament is the only effective way to actually reduce the number of nuclear weapons in the world. Because it's up to those individual states. I mean, it's six, I think, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, so they, they're the rogue states and we, need, and we all need to get rid of them. I think, just to go back to Jordan's point as well, one of the arguments that the UK government uh, uses to support nuclear weapons is the jobs. But in a time of change, in, uh, in a time of change that we could invest in jobs and take the money, the 50 billion that we're using to renew these nuclear weapons and invest in jobs and other threats that this country faces which does not involve nuclear weapons. Absolutely. Even just the jobs at Faz Lane, like, no one has ever said we're going to shut down Faz Lane. Yeah. Like, we, you know, we are, um, we are a coastal nation in Scotland. I think we'll always need a naval base, definitely. I think Faz Lane will definitely still be there. We just wouldn't have nuclear capabilities, which... Let's be frank, we're never going to use these weapons. That's the biggest thing. That When would you ever buy something that you were never going to use? Never mind spending £50 billion on it. Yeah, it's entirely about power projection and that's it. Absolutely. It's only about the UK acting like a global power. Yeah. And there's no point in calling it a nuclear capability. It's a nuclear impossibility because the chances of us ever using it, like you know, it, it totally, you know, it would be the end of the world as we know it. Well, unless you're Theresa May, who's uh, apparently completely prepared to press the button. Yeah, to press the button and annihilate entire cities of people. Well, she that, has to say that, Rory, because it wouldn't be a deterrent if it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> and that question time was just absolutely yeah. bizarre. We fetish, fetishised, like, the, the indiscriminate killing of millions of people. And if, if you've never heard an account of a Hiroshima, Hiroshima survivor or an Nagasaki survivor, I would 100% um, encourage you just go on to go on to youtube there's some incredible um testimonies of survivors of hiroshima and nagasaki that it's, it's almost unbelievable the descriptions i i was part of a, an ican event an ican youth event and we heard firsthand a woman gave her testimony um it was harrowing she talked about um a white flash getting thrown uh, from her seat she was in school at the time she woke up partially clothed because her clothes had been burnt off 
um, her her schoolmates that she was sharing a class with were were dead. Um, there was maybe one other survivor that she could see because of the heat of the uh, uh, of the explosion. There was no water, so people were incredibly thirsty, burnt, and there was no water to 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 um, to help. Uh, she was talking about seeing people walking um, through the streets, screaming for water, um, holding their intestines in their hands. It's 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 like some kind of horror movie. Horror movie, yeah. yeah. But this is true. This happened, yeah. um, and it happened within people's lifetimes. And I think we're getting to a point now where our generation really need to do some research on it and fully understand the the horror of of what it would mean. For instance, Scotland wouldn't be here anymore if if something were to happen. You know, the 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 weapons that we see now are about forty times more powerful than anything close to Hiroshima. Um, Scotland, we would be dead immediately, within seconds. Uh, it doesn't really doesn't bear thinking about. And on, even like on the fact that, like, saying how the government has said they most likely will not press the button, they've even stated that the top the three top tier threats to the UK like are climate change, cybercrime, and t- international terrorism, and on which none of these nuclear weapons can combat and they're like completely irrelevant and we're spending this money on things that we haven't prioritized elsewhere just as a power statement like you're saying and it just doesn't make any sense i think though for me just reflecting back on that question time what you made uh, you know i think it we should, we should take great pride actually as a, as a youth movement that one young person popped her hand up in that yeah. debate yeah. and called out what was, frankly, to that point, quite a terrifying conversation mm-hmm. about people, you know, talking about using these nuclear weapons. And that young person really, you know, is, exemplifies everything that is good about the generation of young people that are coming through, that are, you know, informed, engaged, and actually tackling that every step of the way to say that's not the type of country we want and it's certainly not the type of world that we want to be living in or bringing up our futures in. I think as well if you actually look at the people who were ad- who were really questioning Jeremy Corbyn the people who are uh, and Theresa May the people who were asking the question and forcing them to say you'll push the button were all old men and I think that is actually indicative of the the mentality of, of being pro-nuclear weapons and it's such a you know as Keelan was saying it, 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 they're not they're not fit for purpose to deal with the threats that we have today. They're a cold war relic. They have no purpose, and as you said, they're they're about forty times more powerful than the ones that were dropped uh, in in Japan in World War Two. And I think this is such a pressing problem. You know, with more and more instability in the world, I think, that, and with you know these summits and international discussions that are going on, these need to go now. And if if we were to talk about, you mentioned Jeremy Corbyn. If we were to talk about people who would get rid of these nuclear weapons, I'm a member of Stop the War. Jeremy Corbyn was the um, vice chair of Stop the War for quite a while. I like Jeremy Corbyn, but you know what, who I don't trust to get rid of nuclear weapons, and that's the Labour Party. You know, they've yeah. been in power, they've been the left-wing voice in this country for years and years, and specifically in Scotland, and they've never got rid of these nuclear weapons once. Whether it was over the jobs argument, which just doesn't add up when you're, going, you're threatening murdering hundreds of millions of people, or whether it's anything else, I do not trust the Labour Party to ever get rid of, um, rid of these nuclear weapons. So I like Jeremy Corbyn, I like his politics, you know, he's a fellow member of Stop the War, just the same as me, but I do not trust him to get rid of nuclear weapons in Scotland. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, I'll back to your point, Jordan, about like how there's a generation of change coming, I think, the the kind of general narrative amongst young people is that we absolutely oppose nuclear weapons and we're a more accepting generation in in general really but i think we need to 
keep up the good fight just now and spread the word because it, it isn't being talked about as much as it should be and we need to keep educating for as long as we can because as we move through the political system things the political sort of pattern throughout Scotland will change mm -hmm. and change will come eventually and it, it's in our hands to do so so I think it's something that we have to keep talking about we have to keep it on the agenda absolutely mm. when I when I was at that ICANN event I spoke to many people who are, are thoroughly invested in the in, in the treaty ban negotiations when everyone spoke about what's your biggest hope for nuclear disarmament what's the biggest hope how is this going to move forward every single one of them said Scotland because Scotland has the opportunity to have make the choice be that through independence or um, us as a nation making that decision ourselves um, I don't know which one would come first. Um, we we have an opportunity to get rid of nuclear weapons from Scottish waters. If we got rid of nuclear weapons from Scottish waters, they wouldn't be able to build somewhere capable to house them fast enough, and so they would have to be decommissioned. If a nuclear weapons state decommissioned their nuclear weapons, that's the start of um, of the decommissioning decommissioning of nuclear weapons maybe that's the first domino that falls that's that then that then where we the the rest of the non-nuclear states as gavin said who are in the majority are able to say well hang on a minute the uk did it why isn't america doing it why isn't x y and z doing it yeah. um so scotland i think we shouldn't underestimate the power that we have here and and i think the world is watching us to say what are you doing and it's something we have to keep on the agenda yeah i think since the the independence referendum during that uh, the nuclear weapons issue was a key issue of the campaign. It was things that people regularly spoke about. And I feel that since then it has fallen off the agenda. And looking at the the Labour Party, I don't, I don't, I'm the same as Jim. I don't trust the Labour Party, even with Corbyn at the head of it, to actually get rid of rid of the nuclear weapons. And I think that during the the general election campaign, speaking to a lot of people, especially people on the the far left, it was one of the the, the issues. It's such a fundamental issue that they were willing to gloss over, that they were willing to just well, oh well, you know, that's Jeremy Corbyn opposes them, says, but the Labour Party doesn't, and that's who you're voting for. And it was one of those issues that they thought, well, we'll just forget about it, despite how huge an issue it is. Yeah, and that's one of the things that makes me, dare I say, it, proud to be a member of the SNP. You know, we have quite a principled position that, you know, we make clear time and time and time again absolutely no way to try it and yet you have a, a Labour Party in Scotland and the UK who have varying positions and actually I don't think you know a bit like Brexit we're not clear on what exactly you know what their position is. Yeah I think um, we obviously seen the Labour Party in the last general election their manifesto explicitly said that they would support the, re, uh, the renewing of Trident the Labour Manifesto um, had, had really great ideas in it mm -hmm. and it would have just been really nice to see some or all of that money being used to actually implement them across the UK. It's just really sad that even if Jeremy Corbyn himself doesn't agree with nuclear weapons that he was prepared to go down the route of putting it in his manifesto that he was. Yeah. Okay, I would just like to get some kind of final thoughts from everyone um, on, you know, you know this, this camp has been here since the 80s, you know, how effective and, and what, what kind of role can direct action in camps like this and campaigning like this actually play in the future in the decommissioning of nuclear weapons throughout the world? Well I think the very fact that we're talking about this right now is because of this camp. So Absolutely I think, even, think uh, even just being a symbol, the people mm -hmm. who, who live here, um, that you know they are keeping, they're, they're keeping it on the agenda. Yeah. They won't let the issue fall off. 
and and in that sense, I think just that alone is extremely yeah, important. important. If we talk about the legacy of direct action, I can't remember if it was in the 1990s or early 2000s, but um, there were some women on a speedboat who went out and tried to get on the submarine as it was going out to sea, and they were tried in a, a Scottish court, which now no longer happens. Um, they're now tried in courts down south. But the Scottish court um, uh, acquitted them, didn't charge them, because it said there were rights to try and stop that. And so that's one big thing is that in this Scottish court we now have a legacy that if you go out and try to stop um, you know, nuclear weapons trade, stop something going out, there's a legal ruling precedent which says it's okay for you to do so. And that's why they no longer charge, you know, charge them in Scotland, they uh, charge them in England at the courts there. But I think that's the kind of thing that can happen. We can change the legal system by direct action. I think for me, um, the, clearly this camp and the people who are here play a vital part in a wider conversation that we're having, not only here in, in, in Helensburg, but right across Scotland and thankfully the rest of the world and I think that we shouldn't underestimate um, the importance of the views of individual people across the country who have a principled opposition to you know as we've heard nuclear weapons weapons of mass destruction weapons that have the possibility of ending the lives of innocent people right across the world and I think that's great that we're here and that they're part of that conversation just as much as everybody across Scotland and indeed the world. Caelan you have some thoughts? And I just think like for us as the youth wing of a party to be here like at a camp talking about getting involved in direct action or even just like discussing it it's important. is so important because it just kind of shows to the rest of the country and everyone older than us that as we gain control and make the decisions about what's going to happen once we all get older it just kind of gives across the message that these weapons aren't here to stay like and this Ooh. camp has kind of like inspired it so I think that's really really important that it kind of like fuels the, yeah. the movement. I think if we want to talk about like the effectiveness of direct action, we need to look at the past and look at movements like the suffragists. I mean, it's 100 years on and we're still talking about what they did and we, we're sat here as women in the youth wing of a political party. I mean, that would have been completely, you know, unthinkable yeah. if they hadn't have done what they did. And I mean, we have the opportunity here to do the same thing and to to make this something to discuss in a hundred years time when people are looking back on what we did and the campaigns that we ran to for what we believed in. Yeah, just finally I cut it to say that, um, that this camp is a symbol of what a better Scotland can look like. These people quite clearly have a vision and it would be so nice to see much more people discussing this vision and getting on board with it. I, I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. This this is all about what we could achieve in an independent yeah. Scotland, absolutely. But I mean, we're talking about direct action. It doesn't need to be like stopping a truck and getting underneath and, and holding up the convoy. Like, I would encourage anyone just to go Google it. Go go on the CND website, go on ICANN, have a look and, and see just what a horrible, horrible blight in our society nuclear weapons are. Um, yeah, I would encourage anyone to, to do that. Yeah. There's um, a quote outside in one of the caravan that says, work as if you live in the early days of a better world. And I think that's the kind of thing you need to live by. But on that, I think that's a good place to end. Yep. Yeah. This episode was brought to you by me, Kayla McMahon. Me, Jordan Linden. Me, Kelly Given. Me, Christina Cannon. Me, Rory Steele. Me, Jim Wyke. Me, Rhiannon Spear. And me, Gavin Lundy. And it was produced and edited by Gavin Lundy. Thanks, Rhiannon.